chapter number 23. Okay. Numbers 23. We are reading from verse number 1 through to 12. Numbers 23. And Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here and prepare for me here. Seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered a bull on a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand by your burnt offering and I will go. And perhaps the Lord will come and meet me. And whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went and to a desolate height and met Balaam and said to him, I have prepared seven altars and offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord, the, then the, the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak and thus you shall speak. Uh, so he returned to him, and there he was, standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself amongst the nations. Who can count on the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like this. Then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, Must I not take heed to the, and speak, take it to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Here ends the reading of his holy word. Last week we were looking at rekindling the altar, isn't it? To rekindle the power of God. Now somebody will wonder why we are preaching, why am I talking about altar, 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 altar? You know, this year we, we declared the year as our year of the overflow. Isn't that right? And if you are going to overflow in God's blessings, we are going to overflow in God's power, we are going to overflow in God's grace and mercy, then we, we must take heed the things that project the overflow. Are you with me? The things that bring the blessings, the things that brings us grace and mercy. Hallelujah. And one of the greatest secrets that Christians today don't pay heed to is the altar that we have with God. Hallelujah. Here's a story where Balaam, the king of Moab, 
sorry, Balak, the king of Moab, had employed the services of Balaam, the prophet, to curse Israel. All right? And this is what strategy, so look at it from a negative connotation. He has been employed, he has been hired to curse God's people. He's been bribed to curse God's people. So he was going to use everything that brings a blessing to bring a curse to the people. In other words, he was going to use everything that brings a blessing to Balak, the king of Moab. Anything that brings a blessing to Moab automatically brings a curse to Israel. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So he says that, curse my enemies. In other words, bless me. And he says, if you want me to bless you, build an altar. And on every altar that you have seven altars, which stands for completion, put a ram and a bull on it. Am I making sense? And after that, stand by the altar that you have built. And let me go and speak to the Lord. And see whether the Lord will bless the people or not. Hallelujah. You see, one of the greatest um, weakness of Christians today is that lack of attention to this area. The occult, the occultic people know the power that is behind an altar. And we Christians take things for granted. I've said it before that the ignorance of your enemy is your greatest advantage. Are you with me? In other words, the ignorance of Christians is Satan's greatest achievement, advantage. My people perish because of lack of what? Knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. God says that he's going to reject us because we don't take time to find things. We don't take time to study. Are you with me? Study to show yourself approved. When you study, then you are approved. When you don't study, you are ignorant. And when you are ignorant, you give the advantage to the enemy. Can't cook and won't cook at the same. Can't read and won't read at the same. There are Christians who just like Christianity. But do not take time to understand the intricacies of Christianity. They don't pay attention to what makes a Christian a Christian. What makes a Christian powerful. Hallelujah. Altars are defined as a raised platform or a raised place that we communicate that is dedicated for the communicate communion or communication with God. It's a raised place where we communicate or communion with God. Amen. And we said that every church has an altar. 
And last week, I also said that every Christian must have an altar. And the altar is an elevated place. Why is it elevated? It is elevated like when you come to the church. They say this, they call this the altar, isn't it? Isn't that true? Because it's an elevated position from where we commune with God. From where we pray and from where we receive the word of God and we share it. Am I making sense? So it's a very, very delicate and a very, very strategic and important place. Audrey. Audrey. Be quiet. You understand why I'm always beating him? Hallelujah. Just as we have a dedicated place where blessings are pronounced, grace is pronounced, power comes forth, Satan also has altars. Demonic people have altars from where they curse. Are you with me? Balak is a, uh, Balaam is a spiritual man and he knows that blessing and cursing come from the same power source. So if I can stand in this place, I can bless. If I can stand in this place, I can curse. Hallelujah. See, altars define who we are. Our destiny can equally be bettered through an altar. We can move from one level of greatness to another level of greatness through an altar that we have. And when altars receive reverence, they do reverence by way of sacrifice and praise in the case of God, or ritual sacrifices in the case of Balak and Balaam, they receive power. Have you not realized that? You want me to say it again? When altars receive their due reverence by way of sacrifices of praise, prayer in the case of God, and ritual sacrifices in the case of the occultic or Balak and Balaam's, um, case that we are talking about it makes them powerful have you not realized that some people will cut a tree from the bush and come and put it in the house and start killing fowls and stuff on it and start doing different funny things to it and then over time they ask the wood to do things and somehow it looks like the wood has become powerful. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. In the same way, when you a Christian, you elevate an altar in the house of in your house, in your room, and wherever, where you, you pay reverence, where you commune with God, and you give it that due sacrifice and due attention, in, in it becomes powerful to speak for you and do things for you. Am I making sense? So that is where I'm trying to get all of us to understand that we as individuals must have a place which is elevated, a place where we go with reverence, a place where we don't miss. An altar is not a place you, you ignore. 
Am I making sense? An altar has to be given the due attention. The altar needs to be given the due care so that the altar becomes more and more powerful. Amen. In other words, we must ignite the power that is in the altar. Last week, we said that, that the fire must never go out on the altar. Are you with me? What does it mean for the fire not to go out on the altar? It means that every so often you must go with your broaden hook or whatever to keep prodding it so that the, you, you take away the ash so that the wood can burn more. So you stoke the fire, basically. Are you with me? Am I, am I making sense? One of our greatest mistakes, I've said it already, as Christians is that we fail to build altars, family altars. We fail to build our own personal altars. It's okay to have a church altar, but do you have your own personal altar? For instance, when it comes to this church, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. For instance, when it comes to this church, we have energio. It's an altar. Are you with me? A lot of people ignore. It's like when I feel like I will join it on Friday. But if you want the altar to be very potent and powerful for you, it must be something that you don't miss. That is where the altar becomes powerful. It is a sacrifice. See, every altar stands for sacrifice. When it says it's an altar, you put a due sacrifice on it. I'm trying to teach you a secret tonight. Are you, are you getting with me? So, don't just put the altar of, uh, what do you call it, incense of prayer, but you need to learn how to put incense of your own money on that particular altar. Because you want to bring the altar alive. Are you with me? One of the things we don't do is we don't give in an energy, it must change. Because if it's going to be an altar, it has to be a sacrifice, not only work your time, your effort, but you must put your money towards your praise must also go. Am I, am I getting through to you? That is what makes the altar potent. The reason why you need a speaking altar for yourself is that there are some times you can't speak for yourself. Are you with me? Nobody can pray 24 hours a day. When you are in a crisis, middle of a crisis, you can't pray. But if you have an altar, that altar will speak for you. If it's an altar you visit every week, an altar you visit every day, that altar will speak for you. Are you with me? Commanding our month is also an altar in CICC. Every, before the beginning of every month, the last week of every month, we spend time fasting and praying into the month that is coming. That is an altar. Apart from sacrificing your stomach and sacrificing your sleep, some of you sleep through it. Some, some people wake up quarter to seven. Or some who put it on at half past five and they go back to sleep. No, no, no. You must make the altar potent. What makes an altar potent is the sacrifice that goes onto it. 
So sacrificing your sleep, sacrificing your, your eyes, your time to pray, sacrificing money, putting money on it, and your stomach on it, helps the altar to become potent. Are you, are you with me? Our midday prayers between 12 and 1 is also an altar. So in this church, there are significant altars. If I were you, I'll make each of this altar burn for me. Because I don't know when I will need a backup. When you are sick and lying in bed, you can't pray for yourself. But the prayers that you have put on the altar can speak for you. Jacob put some stones together and poured oil on the stones and spoke a word that if you will be with me and that it will be well with me and that where I'm going, I'll come back safe to the same place and that you'll prosper me, then you will be my God and everything that I gather, I will give a tenth of it to you. It was just a word and oil. But for 29 years, that particular word, that particular altar kept him. When he went to his, his uncle's house and his uncle defrauded him and gave him the wrong woman and he had to work again another seven years for the right woman. And not only that, he came to an agreement with the uncle that Give me the spotted and speckled sheep, which was at the time was less than 2% of the flock. The uncle thought that, oh, if you want 2% for all the years you have worked for, for me, that's a cool deal. I will do it. The uncle did not know that there was an altar speaking for him. So that altar gave a revelation that gave a, a, a vision to the sheep. Let them watch as they are coming to drink. And as they drink, they will see the spotted and speckled uh, curtain and they will begin to produce after. Before the uncle knew, 80% of the flock were spotted and speckled from 2% to 80%. And not only that, when Laban, when uh, Jacob decided to leave, just imagine somebody has come to work for you. And he's leaving you and he's richer than you. He's leaving you bankrupt. And at the time, Laban had a solid army that could have taken out Jacob. But an altar was speaking. So that he was brought into in safety to back home. Even when Laban looked for a reason that they've stolen my God and they came and found it with Rachel, it was a good enough reason to kill all of them. But somehow, the altar was speaking. And so, they left. He left them alone. And he said, I crossed this Jordan with only a staff in my hand and now I've crossed back with two companies because I had, he had an altar. I pray that this year you will have an altar. 
I say, I pray that you have an altar that is speaking for you. Hallelujah. Not just walking and just uh, obeying the wind. And you, are, you have left your, yourself to chances. And if anything happens well, God will take care of me. No. Amen. So, one of the things that we must understand is that we talked about this last week that Elijah rekindled the altar. In other words, if the altar that you have is broken, fix it. How many remember last week we talked about it? He gathered stones, he gathered sticks. He dug a trench. Remember that. I'm not going to go through that. You know, there are some people, they are altar breakers. There are some friends around you, they are altar breakers. That is why you must dig a trench to demarcate them. Control or to delete. Hallelujah. Have you not realized, let me tell you something. Have you not realized that it is when it is time to pray that somebody calls? Those are the, I'm showing you the altar breakers. They will fix an appointment on the day that you need or that time. You always have a midday altar to pray. They will come and put their meeting right at that time. To fix an appointment with you at that time. Have you not realized that as soon as you decide that you pray at a certain time, that's when your phone rings? Those are agents. How many know what I'm talking about? And you see, if you are not very smart and very sensitive in the realm of the spirit, you will not understand some of these things. Not every agent thinks important. We need to learn how to face first things first. Are you think? It sounds urgent because it is ringing, but it's not important. There are some phone calls. As soon as they are coming, you know it should be. An, it should ring. That is an attack. Some people you have to you have to label them. Don't pick one. Don't pick two. Don't pick three. There are some people when I'm busy and I see them ringing, I don't pick. I'm talking about bishop friends. These are bishops, my friends. They are, bishop. they are men of God. But when they are calling me at a certain time, I don't pick. Because I know it's an attack. But by the time they finish talking to me, I feel virtue has left me. And these are men of God. I'm not talking about social friends. Because they want to stay on the phone for over an hour and a half. And by the time they finish, what you're trying to do, you have forgotten. The other day, I was, I was in the middle of writing. I was writing and I was, you know when you're writing, you get in the zone. You are like, I was really in the zone. And then the phone rang. Then the phone rang again. Then the phone rang the third time. Immediately, my sense was like, oh, maybe it's urgent because the person has called three times. 
I picked the phone. Where have you been? I, I, I said, I'm, I'm busy. Said, you know, then they started talking about some. By the time they fin- I finished, uh, you know when you're trying to be polite and like, by the time I finished, everything that I was saying was gone. I mean, I was so mad with myself. Not with him. I was mad with myself for picking for picking the, the call. Sometimes I, I need to learn. Uh, my, my wife is better at that than me. The phone will be lying next to her. She won't mind. Sometimes when it rings like two, three times, it's from the same person. I feel that there's an emergency that needs my immediate attention. And then I attend to it. And I always regret after. And I still haven't learned from it. Hallelujah. But we need to learn how to rekindle the altar. Amen. An altar is always a place of constant battle for supremacy. You must understand that. An altar is always a place of constant battle for supremacy. Satan is trying to reign on the same altar that God is reigning. Balak is trying to get a curse out of Balaam on the altar. And it's the same place where God had destined to bless the people. Elijah had an altar by the altar that 700 prophets of Baal had built on. It was a contest between two people. 400 prophets of Baal and Elijah, the God that answers by fire, will be the God that they will serve. Are you with me? So the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves, trying to get the fire to consume the, the sacrifice. And they tried and tried and tried and tried and couldn't do it. And then Elijah comes, he repairs the altar, he asks them to pour water on it, they pour water on it, and he calls on God, and God comes and it's just a contest of supremacy. Where, which one will be supreme? You know, as I said, I keep saying to you that the Old Testament is always a picture of what we live in now. So don't think that that was a story. In your life, there is a battle between 400 prophets of Baal and Elijah going on right now. Which altar would answer? Which one would be powerful? Which one would the fire fall on? Hallelujah. Which altar would the fire fall? Some of us, I don't, I don't mean to scare you, but some of us, we send money to loved ones and they use it negatively against us. I, I'm not trying to scare you. But some of us, the monies you send are being used to destroy you. You don't even know. 
The fact that you don't think anything evil about anybody doesn't mean that everybody thinks well of you. Hello? That is why you need the other shop. So you can pick. Hallelujah. See, every altar has power if you give it power. Exodus chapter 20, verse 24 to 26. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stones, for it will... For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up by step to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed. Amen. Amen. Now, what I wanted you to see here is that you can have a moving altar. An altar is not just a static one. You understand? For instance, the midday prayer is a moving altar. It doesn't matter where you are. Every 12 to 1 p.m., you know it's a time to pray. So he says that everywhere you go, you shall go with this altar. Did you see that? Hello? Did you see it? I will... Wherever, every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. Wherever I cause you to go, when you go with that altar, you will be blessed. Amen. So you may have like a static altar at home. There's, there's an altar in church. I, I, I am very, very sad that people don't engage this altar in prayer. If I were you, I will find time, even during the day, you are off to school. Come and Pray on this altar. It's not the same as the altar in your home. The power on the altar in the house of God is different. Hallelujah. It's not a, an idol. But there's a presence in the house of God. That's not at home. Book an appointment. Tell pastor I want to come and pray. He will make it possible for you to gain access to come and pray. After all, this is your, your church. This is your church building. So there's 24-hour access to come here and pray. You want to do your own all night here. Come and do it. I'm showing you how to get power to make a difference in your life. The reason why Israel was different from all the other nations was because they had an altar. The Bible says a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That altar moved with 
Christian wherever they were going. Amen. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? Now let's look at a few hindrances to the altars that we build. The reasons why certain altars we have don't speak for us. How many know that there are some altars that don't speak? And there are altars that speak. But every altar must speak. The reason why your altar will not speak. Number one, it's unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. Jesus says that if you do not forgive men their sins, he will also not forgive you. Isn't it? But if you forgive, then you also be forgiven. So Jesus said that if you are coming to give an offering on the altar and you remember that you have, somebody has an ought against you. Now, the word didn't say that if you have an ought against somebody. There are two different things. If somebody has offended you, it's different from when you have offended somebody. He says that when you are coming to pray or give your sacrifice, and you remember that somebody has offended you, you, the offended person, go to that person and make peace with him. You rather must go and make peace with the person that has offended you before you come and offer your sacrifice. Otherwise, your sacrifice will not make any, will not speak. You have a deaf and dumb sacrifice. Hallelujah. Number two, unconfessed sins. Psalm 66 verse 18 says that if, you, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, it doesn't matter what you put on the altar, God will not hear it. Amen. Number three, disobedience. Micah chapter 3 verse 4. Micah chapter 3 verse 4 says, Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will even hide his face from them at a time because they have been evil in their deeds. Amen. They have been disobedient. So God will not hear. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 43 and 44. Lamentation chapter 3. It says that we have sinned and rebelled. Lamentations, have you found it? Forty-three. You have covered yourselves with anger and pursued us. You have slain and not pitied. 44. You have covered yourself 
with a cloud that prayer should not pass through. Hallelujah. Because of the sins and their rebellion, prayer could not pass through. Hallelujah. So disobedience has a cost. What is God telling you to do that you haven't done? Amen. Another thing that hinders our offering is sacrifice. If you don't have a sacrifice, God will not hear it. Christians, we, 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 we are very, very, uh, what's the word? When it comes to putting offering on the, on the altar, we are hesitant. We will spend money outside the house of God. But when it comes to the house of God, immediately one pound is worth 100 pounds. In, on the altar in the house of God than it is elsewhere. I, I'm trying to help you. Hello? I'm trying to help you. Believe me, the church doesn't need your money. I'm not preaching this message because the church needs your money. No. I'm trying to make you be blessed. Are you with me? And I'm saying to you that there's a certain uh, response that you will not get. With the measly sacrifice we put on. You read uh, First Kings, I, I, know, I think Second Kings, when Solomon went to dedicate the temple, he put thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep and oxen and bulls on the altar. It was so extravagant that God could not help but come down and speak to him. Solomon was not known as, as, as spiritual as his father, but Solomon understood something about sacrifice which he learned from his father. He knew that his father was extravagant when it came to worship. He was not a worshiper per se, but he knew that he could worship with his sacrifice. So he learned how to match his father's worship of the fruit of his lips with the wealth that he had. And he got the equal response as his father got. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. He did not worship like his father. He didn't have... You see, David was not only a king. David was a prophet and a priest. Are you with me? He had a certain spiritual relationship with God that his son did not have. But his son learned from his father that what my father has, I don't have, but I can match it with my offering. So he bombarded heaven with so much extravagant offering God came in the night and said, what do you want? What do you want? Give me anything you want. Just, just name it. I'll give it to you. Anything. Look for that scripture. Let's read it. First Kings. First Kings 8. 62. You got it. It's in two places. It's in second. Um, it's in Chronicles and it's in. Um, 
The Chronicles gives the, the thousands of uh, rams. And the Chronicles is more of historical. Have you got it? Pastors, help me. Second Chronicles 1. That's the one I'm looking for. Okay, first case 8 is okay. They are confusing me. Okay. Now Solomon, son of David, was strengthened in the in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. Go on. And Solomon spoke to all the Israel, the captains uh, of thousands and hundreds to judge. No, no, I want the other one. One six. Second Chronicles one six. So Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord and was at the tabernacle of meeting and offered thousand burnt offerings on it. Go on. And on the night, no, give me the other one. Give me this. First Kings 1. 8. It gives more. It gives more than that. I know one gives more than that. The other. A60. First Kings 862. Brother, you're slow. Then the king and all Israel offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered sacrifice of peace offerings, which the Lord, which he offered to the Lord. Twenty-two thousand bulls and one hundred and twenty thousand sheep. Twenty what? 22, do you know what 22,000 sheep look like? If a sheep is worth 200 pounds today, 200 times 22,000 is how much? A sheep is worth 350. 350 pounds. Okay, 350 times 122,000 pounds. 42 million pounds. That, no, listen, it's 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. We haven't come to the bulls. We are dealing with the sheep. Are you with me? If you look at the whole of Psalms, it's a lot of Psalms that the father gave to God. He didn't have the spiritual capacity to deal with God by finding all these words that his father found to worship God. But he had money. So he said, match this. So the king, read on, an oxen is 1,800 pounds. So, times 22,000. Calculate it and give me the total expenditure. And all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. On the same day, the king consecrated a middle court that was in front and gave an offering. For there he offered burnt offerings on the middle court as well. So he did it here and then he did it there. Next one, quickly. Grain offerings and fat 
uh, peace offering because of the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat offerings, and the peace offerings. <laughs> Can you see that? Listen, the occults know how to give to almost 82 million pounds. You know, when, it, when we, 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 we don't give, we don't give in the house of the Lord. And that is why a certain power is missing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to help you. I, I hope you understand me. The reason our pastors don't preach this type of message is because they don't want to be labeled as thieves. But you see, your blessing is my mandate. One of my core mandates as a pastor is to lead you. Are you me? If the word uh, John 10, 10 means anything, the thief comes for, not for, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Then my job is to prevent the thief from stealing, from killing, and from destroying. And also ensure that you have abundant life. Are you with me? That is my job. So I'll be remiss in my job if I don't teach you how to give. See, one of the things that pastors do that they don't preach about is that pastors know how to give. And that is why they have a certain blessing. But then we don't want you to call us so we don't tell you how to do it. We don't tell you the secret. Do you get it? So it's like you wonder how certain people are getting blessed and you are being the same church and you are not getting blessed. Don't ever look at anybody to give. Don't compare your giving to anybody. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Learn how to bless, how to give, how to be extravagant in your giving. Don't look at somebody's time he gives to God and give the same time to God. Don't look at somebody's effort they give to God and use the same effort to give. You'll be making a mistake. Because sometimes a person may not give as much effort, but they, come, they, they augment it in other ways. Somebody may come and give a lot of questions. You can also give another question. Get the thing. Are you thinking? So the power of the altar is dependent on what you put on it. Solomon put so much on it that the altar had no, no, nothing to do but to speak. The, the altar couldn't resist. God could not resist. God just came, what do you want? What do you want? Just you are you are you are you are smoking me out in heaven. In Revelation, the Bible says that the prayers, I think Revelation says that the prayers together with the incense goes to God. Our prayer is collected as incense to the nostrils of God. Our offering and our prayer becomes an incense. When uh, Cornelius was giving, he, he was a giver. He gave so much that God could not resist in heaven but to call Peter, go, go, go to Cornelius and go and speak to him. But the guy is disturbing me in heaven. 
that altar spoke. The centurion built a church and the altar spoke for him. Five things, let's close with this. Five things that can make the altar speak for you. Number one. Five things that can make the altar speak for you. Number one is faith. Have faith in your sacrifice. Have faith in your prayer. Have faith in your offerings to God. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. Anyone that comes to God must know that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. So, have faith. Number two, put praise on the altar. Put praise on the altar. Hallelujah. Psalm 65 verse 1 says that praise is waiting for you, O God, in Zion. And you, unto you, the vow shall be performed. Hallelujah. You should be able to put praise on the altar. Every altar that receives praise and worship becomes perfect. That is why you must learn how to share your, your testimonies. When God gives a testimony, when you have a testimony, share it. Because the more praise you give on the altar, the more the altar becomes perfect. Are you thinking? That's why we say that energy all the time. Share your your testimonies on, on with us. And you see, a lot of Christians, we are so self-centered and selfish that when God blesses us, we walk away. We don't even come to say that this is where I received the blessing. I prayed for this and God has blessed me. It is always what we don't have that we concentrate on not what god has done for us are you thinking you 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 pray for something on a midday prayer and you receive an answer share it there because the more you share the more powerful that altar becomes to you are you with me because as the altar you interact with the altar and the altar is speaking for you the more you have faith in the altar and the more the the the, the altar also performs for you am i making sense so learn to put praise on the altar. Amen. You come to the house of God, you make a prayer, or the pastor prays for you, you come in front, you know, an altar call, you receive uh, uh, whatever breakthrough, you receive a blessing, whatever. Share the testimony. It is not to glorify the pastor or glorify anybody. It is so that you can have more faith on the altar. Are you using why do you think certain pastors, when they, they pray for people, they receive more answers? It's because of the testimonies that have come and come and come. It makes you believe more. The reason why pastor, your, your, your own pastor will pray for you and nothing will happen because you don't have faith in his prayer. It's not that he's not, he's, he's not powerful. Are you with me? The same pastor will go somewhere and he will raise... The, 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 the cripple. Yeah. The blind will be healed. The first time I saw the blind healed, it was not in my church. It was in somebody else's church. 
the dumb begin to talk. It was never in my church. But my church is me. So I'm bringing and see, my, my prayers too are very short. Sometimes you come to me, I just pray, oh, be blessed. No long, I don't spit in people's faces and push you and put no, no, no. So it's like, sometimes you guys, it's, 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 you are blessed. So that same prayer, number, Let it be an altar of thanksgiving. Give thanks on that altar. One of the things, if you're a student of the Old Testament, one of the things you see very, very, very often and frequent on the Old Testament that anytime they receive a good news, promotion, blessing, they catch, they catch a bull, they catch a goat or whatever, and they sacrifice or they pour oil, they gather stones, and pour oil. Any encounter they have with God, anytime there's anything that God comes to save them, they build an altar there of remembrance and they give thanks on that. Every time you, especially if you're a student of Abraham, anywhere he goes and he receives a miracle, he receives a vision, he, there he built an altar and poured oil on it and he's gone. When he's going, because they were normal, they were roaming around. When they go and come and meet the heap of stones, they remember that here, God did this for me. At this place, the Lord spoke to me. Under the tree, the, this tree of memory, the Lord visited and there he built up. We don't remember and give thanks. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We take things for granted. It's always what God hasn't done yet that we focus on. Not what God has done. How many know what I'm talking about? Number, let your altar be an altar of prayer. Always pray on that altar. I said to you last week, find a place in your room, in your house, and elevate that place. You only go to that corner to pray. It can be a chair in the corner of your room somewhere. You put the chair there. You don't sit on that chair by that. You don't sit on there to gossip. That place is an elevated place for you. Anytime you go there, you are going to meet God. I told the story about the guy who had an altar and then he forgot but he had a new girlfriend and he was going up and down. And one day as he was passing, he felt the presence. He was passing he was in his living room somewhere in the corner. He was fine. So a, a light. You know, like you are passing and then something catches the corner of your eye. So he tried to turn to look. And as he turned, the presence of God had been coming here for the last year. Fast to meet as he used to. And he happened to him. Because of a girl, 18 months had come. Girl are taking the place of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us not forget on our altar. Don't be so successful and so busy 
that you leave the altar. How many understand what I'm saying? You know, there's a scripture that I wanted us to read earlier on, but we didn't get the chance to read it. Um, it's in. Let me finish. I'll come back to it. Let me finish it. When I'm on my own. So let's finish this quickly. I think I've said this already. Make it an altar of sacrifice. So put a lot of offerings on that altar. The more offering you put on it, the more you call God's attention to it. Alright? So if energy is an altar for you, put offerings on it. If it's uh, what you call commanding your uh, man is an altar for you, put an offering on it. If you have uh, your own altar somewhere, put an offering on it. Sacrifice on it. Because the more you do, the more powerful the altar becomes for you. Amen, amen, amen. Are we okay? Alright. Okay. So, I want you I'm giving you homework now. Is that okay? Go and find out what altars you have in your life and how engaged you are on those altars. Judges 6.24 Then Gideon built an altar there to the there to the Lord and named it the Lord is peace. To this day it is called Ophrah. Hallelujah. Exodus seventeen fifteen. Moses built an altar and named it the Lord is my banner. In Genesis eight twenty, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal. And every queen there and offered. So find out how many altars you are actively engaged in if you don't have build an altar. And name the altar. Are we okay? Can we go home now? No? Sorry? What did they say? They say half an hour more. You see, I told you, what did I say last week? That when Pastor Gloria comes, something will happen. You remember? Uh, She says half an hour more. Gone over. I told you. When she comes, 
All right. I was looking for a scripture for you, but I. You want to ask a question? Audrey has a question. Audrey, what's your question? Anybody has anybody got a question before we go? Yeah. That's a good question. Did you hear that? She says that if it's a church altar, you know you give to the church. If you have a personal altar, how do you give to it? I think it's a very good question. You can take that money and give it away. Are you saying? Give it to somebody. You can, you can give it, come give it to the church or give it to somebody. It's, it's also an altar. Let the Lord speak to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, one day, um, Pastor Gloria came to me and said, the Lord has said to me, I should give some money to the pastor, to my pastor. I said, let's go and give it. Are you with me? She didn't bring it to church. God told her to give to, to a pastor. So she took the money and then sent it to the pastor. That's an altar. You understand? Whoever God, let God speak to you. God will direct you. Give this altar, give this to somebody, or give it to whoever. And do that. It opens the door. Amen. Any other question? I think that was a very good question. It's also on an altar, yeah. Any other question? Are we okay? All right. Thank you.